On this episode of Ashes 613, I talk with author Troy Bland about his new book, The Triad of Overcoming. Troy shares lessons that he has learned over the years as a nurse, a police officer, and a minister, and how that's helped shape his understanding of faith. Stay tuned to learn how love can help us overcome the traumas and tragedies that life throws our way. Hello. Hi. Can you hear me? You, I can. Can you hear me? Perfect. Yes. Wow. First time. First try. We're professionals. That's right. <laughs> All right. I did Perfect. several Zoom meetings, so uh, I'm used to doing them, but I hadn't did them from home too much, mostly at work. Okay. I spent uh, the entire quarantine on Zoom meetings from home for work, oh. but from home. So oh, okay. I think okay. until until 2020, I don't think I had been on many, but I became a professional during the pandemic, like most of us, Zoom professionals now. <laughs> yeah, uh, COVID changed a lot of stuff for a lot of people. Yeah, it did. So hi, Troy, right? That's me. Yeah, I'm Bella. Troy. Great. Good to meet it's you, my, Bella. Yeah, it's good to meet you. So where are you at right now? I'm in my home in the kitchen. No, I mean the town. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> uh, I'm in I'm in Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Well, I mean it's good. So you're in the kitchen in Mobile. So what? Uh, tell me about um, tell me a little bit about your life. Tell us a little bit about about you, about Troy. Where did you grow up there in Alabama? Yeah, I did. I was adopted from South Florida when I was uh, five days old and uh, moved pretty much here to West Mobile and uh, been in Mobile County pretty much all my life. And uh, and, and so it, this is all I've known is home because I was adopted young and um, went to nursing school fairly young and I've been a nurse for about 30 years and um uh, years ago, I wanted to um, join nursing and law enforcement, so I went to be a sworn police officer to be a sworn forensic nurse, and I found out that wasn't going to be very uh, um, welcomed in the area. It just It's more out west, so I didn't want to lose my credentials, so I just started picking up multiple careers, so, and then um, and I still now full-time as a nurse and part-time as a policeman. And then God called me in the ministry is about 20 years ago as well. And uh, I've been a police chaplain for about 20 years, but it's on a volunteer basis. So uh, right. it's just when they need you. And, um, but um, i just kind of been. Is a, police chaplain is a difficult job. And for people that don't know, the police chaplain is the person who goes and you tell families, right? That somebody's yeah, death, yeah, death notifications and but a lot of times they're uh, the police chaplains are for uh, the the police officers and their families and uh, victims of violent crimes. That's who they're really for. Uh, a lot of people don't know that they think they're for the jail. They're really not. That's a prison ministry chaplains. That's not really a, a police chaplain. Police chaplain is for. Um, it's for uh, police officers who go through things like officer-involved shooting, really bad, you know, crimes or really bad events, not just crimes that are that really shake them. 
and also uh, victims of violent crimes. And, you know, I've counseled uh, victims before as well, but uh, that's pretty much what, what it is. It's not a you know, police chaplain is a lot of times I make, I laugh because I'm a police officer. So we have fun on the department, but then when they have their parties, they don't always invite the police chaplain because, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's, it's more of a joke, which they do invite me, but it's not right. always a joke, you know, when they around me and they go to cussing and carrying on, they say, oh, we're sorry, Rev. We're sorry, chaplain. And I'm like, it's okay. You know, you're human too, you know. So you mentioned yeah. forensic nurse. Well, I've never heard that term before. Um, out West, it's more common. Um, it's someone, because I, I looked and got all the credentials when I back 20 years ago. You had to be a registered nurse. You had to have at least five years of trauma experience. And you had to have went through a sworn, a nationally accredited sworn police academy. And what you would do, it's really the only person that's credentialed and knowledgeable and sworn to go through the whole process from the crime scene, through the EMS, through the hospital, back to the crime scene. So you kind of can follow the victims all the way through the process and you know okay. about what's going on. So if they say something happened in the hospital, you understand that too but uh um, right yeah out west they're they're more common um okay and uh, it's it's yes yeah, different but uh well, that's, i never that's... i never did it because the pay was so low as a policeman i had to right. go back to nursing full-time yeah yeah so you were adopted did you ever meet your adopted family? i did at, um at age of 32 i looked up my biological mother and uh we still talk today we still talk and uh i have uh two two brothers and um and one of them i talked to and one of them i've never met um but uh you know i just saw for myself out there and um and, and that's all you can do you know i understand that when you meet somebody at 32 it's um kind of a shell shocker because you've lived 30 years without knowing anything about them and so it, i didn't expect an immediate adjustment so you know, I'd prayed a lot before I looked them up and asked God to give me peace with any circumstance and any situation, and he did. And so when I met him, I was totally at peace, and it's turned out great uh, for my one brother and my mother, and um, and, and I'm, I'm at peace with it. Uh, so uh, Now, was your adoptive family good to you? This was just, something, were, you, um, this was just something you felt like you had to, to do? It is. Uh, my adoptive family was good, but, um, you know, my mom and dad, they came up in a really, really hard time. They were older and uh, my, my dad was in World War II and uh, and he was discharged from the war, but he really never left. He brought it home and that was our lifestyle. And it was a hard lifestyle, but that's that's all they knew. And, uh, right. and uh, both my parents were alcoholics and that's kind of what drove me to have a passion to want to help people uh, that deal with addiction, bond hold, bondages and strongholds is because I, I'm familiar, you know, firsthand of the destruction that it causes. Um, so, but, um, but my mother, she, uh, she quit drinking and started going to AA and, um, and, and okay. did good, but she died when I was 22. Um, but um, so, but I, I, you know, I had a good life. I, I don't, I'd rather look at the half full than the half empty glass and um, right. and learn from the things to know what to do and what not to do. I feel like God's got a, 
He's got a, um, there's an instruction in everything, every part of life, everything happens for a reason, either things we learn to do or we learn not to do. I had two really good sisters as well. And, and, uh, they, you know, we still talk uh, all the time. And, um, and so, yeah. And, you know, life, I don't have uh, no complaints. It's, it's been good and a good family. And, uh, Mm-hmm. So you wrote a book. Tell us what is the book called? Uh, the book is called got it there? Picture. It's uh, called the, the Triad of Overcoming. Okay. Perfect. And um it's um it's built of uh it, it's it has three components. Um the top one is the cross of Christ, and the bottom one is the family and friends of God, and the, the right side is the holy leading of the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit. So years ago when I was in ministry, I asked God to, to give me a tool because I'm really just a down, just a country boy, just really down to earth. And uh, I said, I really need help, God, to, to lead your people, kind of like Solomon when he prayed for wisdom. And um, God gave me the triad of overcoming almost 10 years ago. And uh, and so I've just in my life, I've just lived it and uh, and I've lived it you know, with its uh, full entity when in my own life, I went through divorce and just really to try to recover and get through. And, and, and so the bottom of it, the, the, the book is actually has four, four sections, but the first section, it just really is an overview. It talks about um, battles that we have, what are strongholds. It talks about, and I covered some of the, um, I refer to the book whenever I'm, we're talking about it. Uh, I referred to it as in the beginning as what is the triad? Uh, what is how is it broken and how it works? And and um, and then I talked about battles to be won. You know, right. and and a lot of the battles God really showed me the three components of of battles that we that we face are broken down as strongholds and bondages. Well, addiction is so powerful on its own that it really is a stronghold and a bondage because um, whenever I, I wrote about them, I actually defined what a stronghold was, what a bondage was. So people would know uh, how they can relate to what's going on in their life to identify what it is. Now, what's the biggest difference? One, the What would you perceive as the biggest difference between those two, stronghold and bondage? Well, they're 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 different but similar because the stronghold is in your mind. A stronghold is what uh, takes a, a, a control of your mind to make you feel you can't be without, and that you your life will not be complete without. And so it it takes over. Um, being a Christian is uh, what I call a positive stronghold because once we find God, we can't live without Him, and and even when we turn our back or try to turn our back. We know he's there. The convicting of the Holy Spirit is there. And so that's a good stronghold. So that's what a, it's in our mind. And and um, so a I have never is, heard the word stronghold in a good sense. So I just learned that just this instance. In my mind, when I hear stronghold, I typically think negative, negative, something has a stronghold on me or a stronghold on that person. I had never thought until this moment about there being good stronghold. So that's an amazing concept okay yeah. i'm sorry go ahead yeah and I, and I wrote about it too whenever i described it i said you know when you're a christian uh you know the, the bible says you're either a, a, a bond to righteousness or a slave to sin and so it is it's a good stronghold but then bondage 
is uh, when I wrote about it, it's anything that creates a state of bonding. That's where it's um, usually a, a bondage is something that has a physical component uh, or a person. Let me give you the, a couple examples. Um, um, in, I wrote them out. Deception is a, a stronghold because, you know, I wrote about deceiving being the first sin that ever happened. Uh, deception was uh, came from it was actually started in heaven. Uh, when Lucifer deceived himself first, then he deceived a third of the angels, and then God kicked them out. As soon as they went to earth, he deceived Adam and Eve, and then Adam and Eve deceived theirself that they could listen. I mean, deception is huge, but it's a stronghold. It's in our mind. Yeah. Um, and then uh, depression is a stronghold. So in the book, I wrote, whenever I write these uh, battles that we have, I would also I also wrote what they will lead to or can lead to. Like, for example, uh, deception is used in many forms of sin, known and unknown. Deception can lead to distrust, causing someone to become betrayed and distant. Uh, depression is a strong. I'm just going to read a couple of them. I've got about okay. 12. Uh, depression okay. is a stronghold. It can lead to a lack of motivation, emptiness and self-destruction. Um, and then, okay, so here's another one, poor health. Poor health is a bondage. Uh, it can lead to a broken attitude affecting your long-term health. Um, when I say that, because, you know, even like Jesus told Mary and Martha, even though you die, if you believe in me, you will live. So we know our physical bodies are going to, you know, decay and get older, uh, but our, it, our spirit don't have to be broken. And when we succumb to the poor health being uh, uh, the bondage, then we can affect our overall health, which will drive us into depression, low self-worth, lack of purpose, and all them. And them are some more that I included. Um, here's one that is big to me that's, uh, that we see so large in our society, uh, prejudice. Prejudice is a stronghold and a bondage. It can lead to separation, anger, distrust, and war. And when I say prejudice, I'm not talking only about skin color. I'm talking about socioeconomic. I'm talking about uh, gender. I mean, the prejudice reaches way beyond what we can imagine. That's why it's a stronghold and it can become a bondage too. Um, so that's kind of how I, I wrote it out. I wrote out the battles. These are all battles and fear is a battle. Um, one of the people that I, I talked to, they didn't understand it at first, but relationship mindset, that is a stronghold. And what basically that is, I live that after you've been divorced, that's all you know. So you, that's a stronghold in your mind. So before you know it, you'll be back in another relationship and you won't allow yourself time to heal or nothing. And, um, and so what I said in the book, I said, uh, the relationship mindset can force relationships to move too fast and create a pseudo bond. Um, so, so that's, so that's kind of like, and, and so once I wrote out whether these battles were strongholds or bondages or both, then I elaborated even more in the book and wrote more about, you know, almost like two or three paragraphs about each one. Um, and because so to me, it's real. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say that I'm learning so much. 
<laughs> I'm going to get this book. I need this book. Um, how, so then if once you, some of these are easier to identify than others in yourself. Yeah. Right. I think. Yes. Yeah. When that's why I put in there with it, deception and being known or unknown, because sometimes if we believe a lie so much, then we mm -hmm. will accept a truth component to the lie. And, and then before we know it, we're deeper, we're deep, more deeper deceived than we ever thought. And it's just like any other thing, the deeper you're in, the harder it is to find your way out. Is that um, kind of like a narcissistic? Um, yeah. And I think it, in the last five years, I've heard the word narcissist just thrown all over the place. And sometimes it's true. And then sometimes it's not. I think it's one of those latch words that people have latched onto and say, yes, oh, my mother was a narcissist mm -hmm. or my husband was a narcissist or my kid. And it's that's easy. But when you take a true narcissist, it's almost like now I'm, I'm not a doctor or a nurse. I got nothing completely uneducated, just Kentucky hillbilly. But it seems like in my life experience that a narcissist will believe that truth component to a lie because they have to to survive. Because yeah. if they believed, if they could accept the full truth about who they are and who they had hurt, it would destroy them. Yeah, yeah, it would. And and um, that's why I was going to add to in what you're saying. I agree totally. And some of the things that, that I wrote in here can lead to narcissistic behavior. For example, loneliness. And, and loneliness is a stronghold and a bondage. Uh, lack of purpose, pride, selfishness. These are sexual sin. These are all battles that we face that can create a narcissist behavior. Um, and you allow that stronghold to take over your mind. Before you know it, you can be controlling somebody else because you can't control your own self. Um, right. And, uh, you know, so, so yeah, I totally agree. Um, but um, going on through, uh, then I, I wrote about who we're battling because, it being, uh, you know, Christian in nature, um, I totally believe in the spiritual warfare that we're in in this country. And um, the battle is between good and evil. And I even wrote about it that when you when you have someone that does you wrong or treats you wrong, try to do like God the best you can and separate the sin from the sinner. Because um, you don't have to like the sin and the behavior. Uh, but loving the person, if you can separate them, it makes it so much easier. And and so in the book, I wrote, who am I battling? You're battling the, the, the devil, so you're battling the devil. And the demonic angels is who you're battling. Um, it, they might be going through somebody who's very close to you. So uh, you might think it's them, but really it's it's not them. Um, when we right. yield ourselves, uh, um, we take our eyes off of Jesus, just like Peter we fall in and that's what peter did he fell in the water when he took his eyes off and it happens to us the same way um so th so that's a part of knowing your battle and knowing when your battle started is all part of the recovery of overcoming because um i also as part of a chaplain is is um we do critical incident stress debriefing and, and managing reprogramming triggers to help people who are dealing with really severe events and knowing when your battle started has a lot to do with going back and reprogramming the triggers uh, into a, a different way of thinking, you know, when you identify what's triggering your battle. Because each of us have triggers 
that trigger our battle. And it could be from some of the bondage and some of the battles that we have, a past relationship, brokenness, and different things like that. So when we identify, then that's uh, we're on the road to starting to, to overcome. Um, but one of the things I want to say at the very beginning of the book, God showed me through my own addiction. I used to smoke and um, and he showed me that he's not going to take an addiction uh, or stronghold or bondage away from somebody until they have a, a real desire to be free. Um, and a lot of times people don't want to be free. They use their bondage as a victim card and um, they want to be the victim. And, and it could be just from a lack of attention as, as in childhood. It could be from mother trauma, father trauma. It could be from a lot of things. But for them to, uh, they got to really want to be free. And I wrote about that in the very beginning, that desire, because, um, you know, when I quit smoking, you know, I'd ask God to take it away a couple of times, but. It was like he didn't, and I didn't understand. But then one day he made it evident to me. He said, when you're ready to give it up, I'm ready to take it. And it made so much sense. Did you find when God, did he just take that desire from you? Or was it still a struggle and you still had to work at it? No, um, I got I kind of did it a crazy way. Uh, I don't advise the way I've done it. Uh, I asked God to give me chest pain every time I, I smoked, you know, so I would not mm -hmm. want it. And, um, and, and it just, I would just went on through life and probably about, uh, about a month and a half, two months later, I mean, I just had the worst chest pain I ever had in my life when I lit the cigarette and, uh, and then I put the cigarette down and the pain went away and I said, well, maybe I just, you know, got a cold or something. And so later that, later that day, I lit another one, same pain come on me and I put it out and I said, well, you know, maybe I'm sick and it's just not doing well. The next morning, uh, I lit another cigarette and the exact same pain come over me. And it was just a quiet, still, it was the quiet, still voice of God. And he's, this is all he said. You asked for this. So you're, and you're made, brave. You're so brave. I'm, yeah. We, crazy. Wouldn't, we wouldn't recommend that, but that's brave. I know, that's, so, so once he, once he told me you asked for this, it made total sense. And I ain't smoked in 20 years and don't that's even perfect. want one. And sometimes when I'm around people who smoke, I can't, I can't breathe. I have chest pain. You have yeah. to want to be free of these things before you can even attempt to be yeah. free. You have yeah. to want to. Okay. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And so moving on through the book talks about uh, who needs the triad. Because a lot of times, you know, when people, um, when people say, when they identify, um, they, they say, you know, Oh, uh, well, that's for them. I don't have a problem. It's all good. And and denial is super huge in the process of, of you know, of, of survival. It really is. We we go into denial. And so I, I wrote that we all have struggles and we all have battles and we're all broken in some way. And before we'll ever seek a refuge to to healing, we got to admit the, the broken. We have to own it. You know, I, um, I told you my mother was a uh, recovered alcoholic. So she went, she took me to AA a lot of, a lot of means. You familiar with AA? Yeah. Alcoholic that's phenomenon. Step number one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I learned the 12 steps better than most of the people because I heard them every and, night. And isn't that step one? It is. You have it to is. acknowledge. 
Yeah, we said we admitted we were powerless over, and you can leave alcohol out and put anything in that, anything. and that our lives have become unmanageable, and that means it's out of our control. And right. that's that's what a bondage and a stronghold does, is it takes you out of it. Addiction, you will live for the addiction, and you'll quit living for yourself because of the power that's in a, bondhold, a bondage and a stronghold. Um, yeah. So, so, So we all need it, and we're all, you know, and 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 then and then I I break it down. I, I write in a very um, easy to understand process because I'm just a country boy. Now spiritually it gets deep because uh, God's really shown me a lot of really good stuff. I pastored for almost 16 years, so I studied a lot of Bible and and, and I've got a, a few degrees in Bible and studying it and stuff. But I, I learned more from the Holy Spirit than I ever did in college. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing against college. I think it's a great thing, but God is the real teacher, the Holy Spirit. Um, and so, and you know, what our first steps is, uh, you know, when I broke out, the first steps is um, you. we've got to, like you said earlier, uh, we have to examine ourselves. And I wrote that in the very beginning. And when you take an exam of yourself, it's not just the surface look. You've got to ask yourself questions when you examine yourself. So then I broke out the questions that you had asked. I almost made it like, you know, idiot proof almost where I made it where the questions, it's like, what do I say? What do you say? You examine yourself. So, you know, how I talk, how I treat people, how I, I am I, um, you know, encouraging, am I uh, pessimistic, am I belittling, you know? So how, what we say will help us to value way um you know whether or not i need it and 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 what do we spend our time with and and you know just looking at prioritization and spending time with god if we're saying we're a christian we have to spend time with god or we really uh we know across our whole christianity when we don't spend time with the one that we put our faith in um so so kind of moving on through that and um and then it goes into the the family and friends. Uh, who are my family and friends? I wrote about the family and friends and uh, made it real clear and real evident what our role is. And I, and I put in there because being adopted, I understand the word of God in an unusual way because he said that we're adopted into the family of God through our belief in Jesus. And so that made total sense to me because I've never, until the age of 32, I never knew a blood family, a bloodline. And so I wrote in there about the ways that we become family is either through choice or through bloodline. And choice is powerful because we choose. It's just like God chose us and we made a choice to follow Jesus. So that's a that's a real powerful uh, uh, identification. And yeah, I wrote in a way it's kind of unusual, but God showed me he chose me some very unusual things, how to identify my people, and I wrote about my people, who my people is, as far as people that you can trust, that you can pray with, that will pray with you, and that will not condemn you and judge you, and and I, God showed me an orange, and he said, you see the orange I made, you identify of people by their fruit, and the Bible talks about, you know, the tree by the fruit it bears, but then he even showed me um, by smell, and by taste and by touch. And I, I'll just read just a little caption because that makes no sense without seeing the book. Um, it says, by smell, we'll know 
who the, our family and friends of God are by smell. And this is what, and I said, the distinct smell of an orange can be smelled across the room when it is peeled. Most of the time, you don't even have to look to identify an orange by the smell. The fruits of the spirit can also be smelled, but in a more metaphoric way. The old saying is true. If something smells fishy, it usually is. I believe <laughs> I believe in following your gut as it aligns with God's word is a good thing. We shouldn't follow our gut as part of our past because most of our past has scars, which will affect how we feel about things. But God and his word are consistent. We have to allow God to move people in and out of our lives to try not to be hasty. God calls us to be still and know he is God and time will allow God to work and fishy things will be revealed. As a human, the waiting process is hard in general and waiting for God to work out situations to reveal true identity can be no different. So that's kind of how God showed me in, 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 and I, it was a pretty long paragraph. Sorry about that. But uh, oh, no. just to give you an idea. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed hearing every all of that. That was that's amazing. So that's by smell. How about by taste? What? But, but it's a shorter paragraph. I'll read what's it. What's the paragraph says, on that? Uh, ma'am. What's the What's the paragraph on that? Uh, it, I I read it says by taste. This is what it says by taste. All fruit has a specific taste to help identify it. Some of the taste variations are sweet bitter, tangy, and more of a neutral flavor. People also have personalities with various tastes, and they are all good for the seasons of life we are in as it fits. This is where we have to trust God as he places the types of people in our life we need at that time as He keep, as we keep our focus on him. There will be seasons where you will need someone to be bitter, and love to start you in the direction of the hard truth, but other times you will need someone sweet. When you are frustrated, a sweet person might get on your nerves, and a neutral person might be the fit. Only God knows where you are, and I am, and at the time of the seasons of our life, and he will place the correct fit by the taste of someone's personality in our life if we trust him. That is amazing. That's amazing. I've never thought it's about that. The- I've never thought about that in my whole life. That's amazing. This is an amazing book, <laughs> Troy. Well, well, the Lord is, he wrote it. He just used me to, to write it. So, and, and, and also, you know, moving on through far as identifying um, who our family and friends are is based on, is God number one? Because if God's number one in your life, you don't want to be with, someone that God is not number one in their life. So then uh, I laid out some more questions about how we identify is God number one in our life. You know, I tried to take a lot of uh, question and doubt out of it. Um, And so the next chapter talks about uh, what is my role? You know, people want to help other people, but they don't know what to do. So a lot of times they do what we call in law enforcement. They go into code black. They don't do nothing then you become a victim and you're no help when you're a victim. Um, But I laid out, God showed me four distinct things that we are to do with scripture. And, and what they are is we are to love one another. 
We are to support one another. We are to exhort one another, which means encourage. And he also told me, he said, if we'll stay in our lane, then that gives him room to do what he needs to do in his lane. Because, you know, sometimes people have to be broken in order to uh, and to allow things, you know, in their life. And I, I wrote um, a lady that was counseling. She uh, she was pulling through some of the um, the, the little cards of, of some of the nuggets of the book. And, uh, and, and so that's as part of it is um, one of the areas that was, I was just talking about. Um, it says this is I'll read this one to you. It says for God to change and mold someone from what they used to be into what he desires, they must be pliable. And for humans, that usually means becoming weak and worn. And I can send you that, too. I'll send that to you so you'll have your own copy of it. Uh, but I'm making bookmarks. Too. I was getting ready to say they look like perfect bookmarks. Yeah, I've got them. I actually took them and cut them and and uh, and I'm going to, you know, just sell them like at a at a book signing and stuff for like a dollar a piece, you know, just yeah. just really getting the money back off of them because I pay three dollars a sheet. So it'll just be getting my money back. But uh, that's that's what I thought. Um, but it's it's good to have that little reminder right there. Some of those really good like uh bullet points if you will right there on that mm -hmm. bookmark yep. i like that so moving on through um you know how do i become a member if you want to be a member you want to help somebody you want to help yourself you want to be a member i wrote the book in a one person two person and three person view what that means is i can read the book for me i can read the book to help you and then i can read the book to tell you how to help somebody else. Okay. I know that's it sounds good. crazy. No, that's good. <laughs> uh, um, but the, the, the next chapter is how to become a member. And so God revealed again to me, four step process of becoming the member of breaking salvation down because a lot of people, you know, I hear preachers and, and I'm not being discrediting, but they say, if you just believe, uh, call on the Lord and believe, then you're saved. And the Bible says that. And I agree. But a lot of people, they don't understand when you had never found something to believe in, you don't understand how to believe. Mm -hmm. So I broke God show me the four step process. The first one is the is called the, the call. And John 6, 44 says no one comes to the son unless they are called by the father. So God speaks in our heart that we're lost. He shows us we're lost. And of course, when somebody calls, what's the next step you got to do? You got to answer. answer. Mm -hmm. The answer is the second one. You answer, you admit you're broken. You deny yourself and admit you are unable to do this on your own. You need a savior. You need a healer. You need uh, Jesus. You need him in your life. So once you answer, your next role is to repent and turn to God. Uh, I call it the in the book I wrote about it. I call it the R&R &R of the Christian walk. Repent and return to God. Not just repent alone, because if you just turn from whatever you're doing, that don't tell you where I need to go. You need to return right. to God so he can take care of cleaning you and preparing you for the fourth process. The fourth step is the walk. That's the rest of your life. The Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's not a, a one song prayer process. It's a life process. 
and you learn as you go daily. Paul said you got to deny the flesh daily and you just got to take up your cross daily. Everything's daily. Give us daily our bread daily. You know, the Lord's Prayer, you know, it says give us our bread this day. Uh, so everything is a daily, it's a lifestyle. So the walk is to, from all the way through. And I broke down the acronym for faith, forsaken all I trust him, F-A-I-T-H. And I, that's not original. I, I saw it on a shirt and I, I didn't claim it's original. I put on there that I saw it on a shirt, but it makes so much sense for the book because as we walk out the walk of the Christian life, we got to have him. We have yeah. to forsake everything. And um, so that's kind of the, the way it works out. Uh, so that's the bottom of the family and friends of God. You know what to do. You know the battles you're dealing with. You know what you need to do. You know your process to, to, to identify, examine yourself. So then the power, the power comes from the cross. God yeah. showed me the process when Jesus, through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, he showed me phases how the power was distributed to earth. And we knew that because it said the rocks rent and the earth quaked when Jesus was crucified. That is a very explicit demonstration of power coming to earth, something we can feel. And then, of course, when the veil, at the same time, it said the veil was rent in the temple, which gave access to the Holy of Holies. So now when we believe we have power and we have access to God. So that's what we need is the power and access. So I wrote a lot about it uh, and the power and how to activate the power. And, you know, there's power in your words. It, the Bible says there's life and death in the tongue and you got to, you got to claim it. It's not, a, you know, I've heard of churches saying a name and claim it ministry kind of thing. You know, I think within God's will, within, you know, his perspective will, I think that's fine. I wrote in the book about the two wills of God. There is a permissive will and a perfect will. The permissive will, he permisses us and allows us to be in places that we shouldn't. He allows us to do things that are not good, mm -hmm. but his perfect will is where he wants us to draw into. Um, right. Because if, if he had a perfect will and no permissive will, how would he still love us like he does? Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so absolutely. I, and the, uh, the, the perfect will is a lot uh, safer and more comfortable. It's in, in that that's where I think you flourish and, and you feel safe and you're loved and everything's right. But that is not as humans where we spend most of our life. I feel like we spend most of our time in the permissive will of God. Where we, we, we do. And we get up the next day and do it again for in yeah. knowing, you know, like, man. Yeah. So, but, and it's real. And that, the ultimate goal is to get to that place as yeah. people where we can surrender. I had a guest on recently and she had tattooed on her hand right here the words I surrender. Um, so she said, so she could be daily reminded that she yeah. needed to surrender to God. And I thought, well, that's beautiful. I don't, I'm not, a. I don't want tattoos. I don't have anything against them. I just am not a tattoo girl, but right. I thought, well, that's perfect. I could, I would maybe write it on my refrigerator or the mirror in my bathroom or something, just a daily reminder that it's not just one time. You can't yeah. just, I surrender to God. I think it's, every day 
I surrender myself and my will to whatever he wants, trusting, because I think we're so scared that we're not going to get what we want. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the understanding and the trusting, the comprehending is so hard that we won't get what we want, but what he wants for us is so much better than what we could have ever wanted. Here's a, a real life example. I have a Dalmatian that got sent to me as a rescue. I had never in my entire life wanted a Dalmatian, not ever. I've wanted a golden retriever. I'm a dog person. So I wanted a golden retriever. I have wanted a Rottweiler. I have wanted a Great Dane. I've never wanted a Dalmatian, not even once. But, and I knew it was God, the way this dog came into my life. But this dog comes into my life and, and he's been abused. And long story short, I've had a lot of dogs that I love. I love this dog better than you can imagine, better than any dog I've ever had. I am a Dalmatian mom. And people are like, you're really a Dalmatian mom. I love this Dalmatian. And what I have learned is sometimes you don't, God knows what you want more than you know what you want. So you're, yep. you're so scared thinking, I'm not going to get what I want if I surrender to God. My goodness. What if you're eating hamburger? What if he wants to give you steak? Right. And so I think it's the learning to trust is the first step in surrendering and going, okay, I, I'm going to let you, I'm going to walk over here in your perfect will. But I think that's a daily struggle for me. I don't know about other people maybe have arrived at that place quicker than me. Still a daily struggle to think I'm going to give up my own desire and turn that in. I totally agree with you. And uh, in the back of the book, remind me, and I bring, so I put in the back of the book for the, for us to surrender. And I gave steps of what to do to, in steps to how to surrender. Um, so remind me of that. But I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. Um, it, there's a lot of times, if you think about it, when you're going through something, when you're in a battle, your mind is not clear. And there is no way that you can truly know exactly what you want and what's best for you when your mind is foggy. It's like driving down the road. You can see only your visible, your visual acuity is only so far, um, even though you've ridden on that road many times. So, you know, that road, you can't see that far when you're in the fog. And that's that's the way we are when we're in a battle. And the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. And uh, the Bible right. talks about the Holy Spirit. It, he uh, He supplies and, and goes to bat for us when we don't even know what's best for us. And what's I best? totally agree well, with you. And we're like children. Have you ever tried to get three pennies away from a toddler and give them a dollar bill? And they will not <laughs> yeah. relinquish yeah. those three pennies mm -hmm. for yep. anything. Because in their mind, you're trying to give them one thing for the three that they have. And they yep. have more. And they think they have more. <laughs> And so sometimes we're like toddlers, you know, and God's going, if you'll give me those three pennies, I have a hundred dollar bill here for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. Well, going on through, um, I talked about the armor of God. I broke out a lot of things with the armor of God because that's all part of uh, the, the power is to armor yourself because uh, power is, is more than just strength. Power is knowledge too. And um, you, if you, 
if you utilize the wisdom and knowledge to armor yourself, I think you'll be a better fighter in the battle. You'll be better prepared uh, rather than just go in without the armor of God. Any um, any Christian that wants to battle the devil without the armor of God is ignorant. They're, they're ignorant because they can't win without the power of God and the armor of God um, because we don't have that ability as humans. Um, right. And so that's, I talked about it. Then I talked about sin being punished, how it worked on the cross, uh, why Jesus had to be crucified versus any other way he had to die because the Bible talks of him being the propitiation, which means full atonement. So he had to be crucified at the most horrendous way horrific way to cover the most horrific sin that we commit so now I, I talk about that as well um and then it goes into the distribution of the power uh and and basically some of what i told you and 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 then um moving on to the the, the side the, the part on the side the holy spirit god's holy spirit i put in there who the holy spirit is and god even showed me a lot of people had a trouble understanding that the father son and the holy spirit and god revealed to me and i'll show you that i wrote i wrote a picture in the book and um it's it's where it it's god is the spirit so that the big circle is god and within the big spirit of god is the functioning of the father son holy spirit so that's how you know knowing god is the spirit and the father son holy spirit work in the in that dominion of the spirit of god that's how it's he to me it was he made it evident and clear to me so i wanted to share it in here who he was and 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 how to identify it um that's, that's good um and then i talk about the evidence holy of the holy spirit and i break out of course the um the fruits of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit but one of the things that i did i had someone else tell me before they've never heard before God revealed to me about the fruits of the Spirit. Not all of the fruits of the Spirit are for you. Some are for you. Some are for others. For example, love. Love is a fruit that is for you. Because it said, love yourself and your neighbor as you love yourself. So it's for you and it's for others. But the spirit, the, the uh, fruit of peace is just for you. And the joy is for you and for others. Long suffering is just for you. So God even broke it out. So some of these fruits I'm not supposed to share. They're just for me. They're for my sanity and my walk. That's um, good. Yeah. Faithfulness is just for you. Uh, gentleness is for others. And self-control is for you. Um, because, you know, in self-control can be one that can be for you and others, but it's really for you because when we lose self-control, our behavior is something that is unbecoming of us. It, it's not who we are. So it's for us. Right. Um, so I broke it all out and talked about, um, pretty, pretty extensively the, the fruits and the gifts, um, and this is dealing with the Holy Spirit. And then I wrote in there about the role of the Holy Spirit. So you'll know the role. The role is uh, God show me he's to comfort us and he's to lead us into all truths. And um, it's to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment and Christ's teachings of remembrance. And the final one is to teach us all things. And this all this is Bible based. This is a Bible based tool. So it's all scripture. And God revealed to me that when he when he said, teach us all things, 
the Holy Spirit is who gives us the understanding of things. We read something out of a book to get knowledge, but the Holy Spirit has to translate it to our heart to give us an understanding. Why is because if we don't believe something in our heart, it's not in our core. Thoughts come and go in our mind, but until it resonates in our heart, it's not in the core of who we are. That's why he said that when we call on him and we believe, we got to believe. So there's where the heart is, where that's where the Holy Spirit gives us understanding that allows us to believe. So that that's how I wrote about it, so the way God showed me. Um, and then the next one talks about this. The last chapter talks about um, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. And I put in there intentionally allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us because we can choose not to follow the Holy Spirit. Now, it ain't advisable, and we usually feel horrible afterwards, uh, but we have to allow the Holy Spirit. It's a process that it takes our surrender. And so then I talked about that, and then I talk about steps to surrender. Um, so there's three steps to surrendering to the Holy Spirit. The first one is having an active prayer life. When I say active prayer life, I'm not talking about just praying for others when they're in need. I'm talking about an active prayer life, just like you breathe. Like breathing is an active process. Your prayer life needs to be just like that. Um, on one of the, um, on one of the, the, the um, I put in here, um, talking about our prayer life is one of the the bookmarks talking about uh, our, our prayer life active prayer life is a foundation uh it's a foundation to overcome things we gotta have an active prayer life uh of course that is our role for others we have to pray for them too but we got to pray for ourselves if we don't take care of ourselves we're no good for others um so the first step is having an active prayer life the second one um, and you'll notice these are things that are initiated by you. God revealed to me that in for us to steps to surrender, it has to be things initiated by me. So the active prayer life is initiated by me. The second one is developing good habits. So the Lord showed me developing good habits like, um, and I'll read just a, a little bit of this. I don't want to read too much. It's a full chapter. Uh, having a prayer life is a great habit. Still, we uh, so many other things that will be so beneficial to us only come as a result of having good habits. Think about a habit or having a hobby like riding a bike. The first time you did it, you were nervous, shaky, unstable, and considered not doing it again. But after you formed a habit habit of riding it daily, you got better and better and better. And after a while, you enjoyed it. And so we got to form, develop good habits. And that takes a, a, a pro effort uh, to do that. And the third thing is get in his presence. There's no other way other than just getting in his presence. And what that means is that means that I've got to get into his word. I've got to pray, get into his word. I have to be in worship. I have to just, you know, through music, through preaching, I just got to get in his presence if I'm planning to uh, show him that I'm surrendering. Uh, and that's, that's, that's how, uh, that's how. So, and then in conclusion, I just put that all of these things work together. And, you know, an analogy, if I'm your family and friends, 
and I love you and, I, and I'm supporting and encouraging you. I don't try to give you my analogy of what you need to do. I send you to Christ. I send you to God's word. I send you to the Holy Spirit. I encourage you to do these things. And I even wrote about the two forms of encouragement. There's a worldly encouragement. We got to be careful because we see that on social media. But then there's a godly encouragement that, you know, God give us two ears and one mouth. So we're to listen twice as much as we speak. Right. And, and so these are just, you know, some of the ways that God revealed to me in the book. And, uh, and it's just nothing but been a blessing to, uh, to be able to write it because a uh, little secret about me, I don't even like to read. And for me to not like reading and you, God using me to write a book, I knew it was God. Uh, I, I sounds like absolutely extraordinary book and, and I'm going to get a copy and I think everybody should get a copy and, I think you're talking about spending time with God. And I had said one time, uh, you know, if you want to know somebody, what's the best way to get to know them is to spend time with them. You and I have communicated over the last couple of weeks with Facebook messages, but I didn't know you and you didn't know me. And it didn't matter how many times we were going to talk. We really weren't going to know each other. Now we've spent an hour together and just know each other just a little bit. But if I came to your house for breakfast or we went to lunch together and anything you do, you know, the more that you know somebody, then you you get to know them and you know them on such a level that you not only know what what they have told you, but you get to know their characteristics. And and once you know somebody so much, like if somebody says, well, I heard your your mother or your wife or your spouse or your friend told me such and such. And you'll say, well, that doesn't sound like them. Now, you've said that about people. You've thought, well, that doesn't sound like them because you didn't hear that person say or not say such and such. But you know that person's character and yeah. you think, well, that doesn't seem like or that's not something that person would do. And not only that, but when and we talked about when you get to heaven and God doesn't say um, you know, he doesn't judge you necessarily based on your works. I mm-hmm. love the scripture where God says, um, Hey, I know you, this one, I know this right. one is mine. Yep. And that's, I had related that to somebody on a level of, you know, somebody could get on the internet and find out everything about me. They can find mm-hmm. my address. They could find my phone number. Maybe you could get on social media and find my favorite food and my favorite color. And you could find out where I was at last week. Everybody tags yourself in location, which I don't do, but lots of people do. Right. And, and you could know everything about me, the car I drive and the license plate numbers. But if you knock on my door at three in the morning or even three in the afternoon, I'm not going to open the door for you because yeah, I don't right. know you. And you could stand on the other side of the door and you could say, hey, Bella, you know me. Your favorite color is red. Your favorite food is spaghetti. You used to live, you know, here and there. You have a son named such and such. You know me. And I hear you giving me these truths about myself. But I can tell I've never spent any time with you. I don't know you. And and the reverse is all actually true as well if you know me and you're a friend of mine even if you don't know anything of these things about me if you have spent time with me and you knock on my door i know you i'm gonna let you in whether you know my favorite color or not see so i i'm like you know you have to spend time with god to get to know him you have to 
that's yeah. how you get to know people, you know. Well, and and for him to know you, because, yeah. you know, um, if you don't know me, I, I've had a lot of people say, I wished I knew God's will. And I said, well, until you get closer to him and spend time with him, you're not going to know his will because he's not going to share it. Who would share the most prized possession, the will of God with someone that you don't know if they're going to trust it and respect it and, 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 you right. know, and, and be honest and truthful with it. And I mean, it's like, if you, you had a, a, a blueprint, you would only share it with the, if it was an idea of yours or a patent of something or a copyright, you wouldn't share it with the world. You want to share it with just the people who's going to cherish it. And you only right. know that if you spend time with them and you know them. And, that's um, right. and, and, and part of in the book and the where I wrote about the road to overcoming, that was some of what you was describing describing. I call it the DR the DTD. And I put um it says uh, the need for being a disciple is critical. I call it the DTD, uh discipling the decision. When you take a step and decide to follow Jesus as Savior Lord, that is only the beginning of an awesome journey of overcoming the things of this world. So we got to disciple that decision. That's nobody. That's not our church, our pastor, our spouse. That's we have to disciple the decision that we make to follow him. And that's all part of what we're talking about. Spending time with him, get in his word, get in his presence. And, and that's, yeah. So it, I think it's all so real. I totally agree. Yeah. And, and so this, book is this your the first book you've ever written it is it is i told you i'm not even a, a reader much less a writer and but now since god has is starting to pour out um i'm writing several books and my next book is on suicide prevention and awareness which is huge um and and yeah because every it affects every family and um god showed me what who suicide is and what suicide is in a very, very unusual way. Um, so um, he's told me that I'm supposed to write about it. So that'll be the next book, um, uh, and, you know. How long did it take you to write this one? Uh, <laughs> well, I had, God told me I had to live it before he'd let me finish it. So like I said, I went through divorce and and I went through a lot in my own life. So uh, it's about eight years, but I took about a three-year break and uh, okay. after whenever I got, I went through divorce, I just um, stopped and I just asked God for a reboot and just mm -hmm. I needed a restart. And I knew I couldn't write cloudy. I can't right. walk cloudy, so I can't write cloudy. Mm -hmm. And um, I was finishing my doctorate. Is Some of this work is my doctorate work when I finished my doctorate in Christian psychology. And um, so that's, you know, that was some of the work. And then I developed it even further and sent it for publication when I when I got done. So um, it took me about eight years. Well, that's and maybe you think your next one will be faster. Like you think you'll I believe get... I believe it will because the Lord revealed to me this book needed to be first, and I needed mm -hmm. to live it to really understand it and respect it. Um, and mm -hmm. this book will be the foundation that as I write the other books. I will be able to use the trial of overcoming for them to overcome whatever they're going through. Because, for example, um, the the next book is uh, on uh, suicide awareness and prevention. And in order to battle that spirit, you need to overcome 
So it throws you back to the overcoming. Uh, the next book that God put in my heart is um, the um, Plant and Water. How It's a disciple book where our job is to plant. Paul said, I plant Apollos waters, but God wants in. God gets the harvest and the increase. So many times we are so, as humans, we're so over-focused on the harvest that we do a very poor job yes. in planting and watering. And when I say planting, that's we've got to tend the soil. We've got to take care of the soil. So there's a lot of foundational work that we've got to do in our lives in order for us to plant a seed properly. But we, as just as humans, we're so focused on the harvest that we we miss the whole planting and watering process. Well, but it's all a, based on... We're such an instant gratification society. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we yeah. are. But but yeah. knowing this, it, it gives us better tools to work with because if you know your battles and if you know what you're dealing with, it, it should better prepare you to know when you go into something. But to answer your question, uh, it's going to be faster. It's just yeah. I work full time and... Uh, and, you right. know, and, and and I have to wait for God to really motivate me to write uh, because he's the one that does it. I'm just a tool. I'm just right. the one that's doing the writing and typing. And um, but um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be faster. But uh, I don't know when. But I'm... Well, Go it's ahead. a much needed book. It's a much needed book. Uh, it mm -hmm. seems like suicide. So speaking of speaking of that interesting you would bring that up because one of the questions that i ask of maybe not every single guest but i try to ask of a lot of my guests on here because i have a heart for this um is if there is somebody watching this podcast and and they're thinking life is not worth living nobody would miss me if i wasn't here why why would i even wake up tomorrow somebody's thinking those thoughts what would you say to that person well, I would tell them that they need to evaluate what God has brought them through, and he's got a really great plan for them. And even though they can't see it, they've got to trust him. Uh, just like um, an analogy God gave me is when we go into a place, do we test the chairs before we sit in them to know whether they'll hold us? We don't. We plop down in them, and that's the way he wants us to be with him. We've got to trust him even when we don't understand and, and just know that, that God's love will overpower and reach uh, any depth of, of, of farness that they think that they have drifted, that can't outdrift the love of God. And they just need to just cry out to him. You need to find your family and friends. Because when I find people who are down, I ask them, who, who do you trust? Who do you connect to? And so my, my job as, as a counselor is I find their family and friends and I say, look, we need to work together here. You might not know what to say, but I, God's given me some words to say, but they won't listen to me, but they'll listen to you. So let's work together as a team and let's, let's work together so that God can bring this person out of where they're at. And once they're out of where they're at, we're not going to judge them, condemn them or critique them. We're going to love them. And whenever you love them and you, and you love them where they're at and you love them daily, you know, the process of a Christian life is never was never designed to be a one time event. It's a lifestyle. And that's I wrote that in one of the it's in one of the little placards and one of the bookmarks. The bookmarks. too. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's never designed. And, and so it being a lifestyle, I mean, the good example of that, when the Israelites 
when God rained manna on them, he told them, he said, you just get enough for today. And they said, well, we're going to get enough for tomorrow. He said, no, you won't. He said, it's going to spoil. So God made it spoil. Why did he make it spoil? So they would seek him daily. That was the reason because they wouldn't seek him daily if they didn't have a need daily. And so right. that's, the, that's, the, that's the, them are our forefathers. God laid the Bible as a basic instruction before leaving earth, B-I-B-L-E, so that that would be a roadmap that we see that and say, okay, I'm supposed to seek him daily. And when you do that, it makes it a lifestyle and not a one-time event. And there are people uh, in, in the world, in America, I have a hard time believing this and had a hard time, and you may too, that you know, don't know anything about God. They don't know anything about Jesus and they don't know anything about the love of God. And I recently had a guest and I said, what would you say to somebody who he was talking about? You, They have to just know the love of God. And I said, what if they don't? What if they struggle thinking that God could love them? And, and the answer was, well, I mean, God is a parent. Everybody has known the love of a parent. And I didn't argue with the person, but I thought, no, not everybody has known the love of a parent. Not everybody understands. I did not understand how God loved me until I became a parent. And I thought the way that I love my son, I thought, oh my goodness, is this how God feels about me? And that changed my whole life and my whole perception of him because I had never known that type of love. And so there are people in the world that don't know anything about God. They cannot understand the apparent love or that unconditional, unstoppable force that apparent love is. They can't understand that because they mm -hmm. haven't had it. I had a, a woman say, uh, this was recently, and of course, being from the South, we have a hard time with this. It's very Bible-based culture in the South, the whole Southern states, Bible-based. Everybody, even if they don't go to church, know about church and know right. the Bible right. stories and went to Sunday school with their grandmother. But I ran into a person a couple of years ago and we were talking about Christmas and I, something was said about Jesus. And this person looked at me very genuine and sincere place and said, what's Jesus have to do with Christmas? Mm -hmm. And I, I was floored. I was shocked, speechless. Uh, so there are people right here in America that just have no concept of Jesus or God or the love of God. So what what could we say to those people who are contemplating taking their life? What could we say to get them to hold on one more well, day? You know, in in a crisis situation like that, it would have to be based on several circumstances to know how to respond. And and I'm you know, but but back to what you were saying before you instituted uh, people who are thinking suicide. You know, when I, I showed you the the fruits of the spirit, how God revealed to me that some are for you and some are for others. So if we're around people, that's a two part statement that you. So the first part about if we will show the fruit, God will make a way for people who don't know about him to ask you, why do you have that hope? Why do you have that joy? Yes. Why do you have so back to the fruit, knowing, you know, who the fruit is for, whenever we get into that, um, then if it's for you, then it'll be just for you. But the fruit that is for others, then that's, I may find it here in this section here. Um, it'll, it'll show you that God will open that door. 
when he opens right. that door, when he shows you that fruit, it's for others like love and, and, you know, and, and different things, then they will come to you and ask. And whenever the opportunity, then you share your testimony, you share what God's done for you. Um, but when somebody, the only thing that's going to bring people out of darkness is love. That's the only thing. Um, that's what drew Christ out of the grave was love that God had. Love is the only thing we can't over theologic and process it, think it out. You can't get a liturgical wording. You can't get psychological wording. Showing love is the only thing that's going to draw someone out of darkness. And I, and the I Corinthians, like yeah, the Corinthians first first Corinthians uh, chapter thirteen. Uh, verse four through eight, love is patient, love is kind, love is not, is not envious, it's not boastful, it's humble, it's not proudful, it don't gloat over wrongdoing. And if you'll live that love and show people that love, that is the only hope that as a human that you will have. Man, may I, I wake up every day and, and I fall short of that every single day. But my prayer is that I can wake up every day and walk in that kind of love. The first and Corinthians chapter 13. Yeah. And and that's how, and, you know, and I wrote about it in the, the, the book. I said, you know, God's not hunting a perfect candidate. He's hunting one who's willing and really puts forth a real effort. And I wrote in there the word strive. When you strive, that means that I consciously, intentionally put a real effort to do right out. But Paul said, why is it the things that I want to do that I know is good? I don't do what the That's things what he said. that I know. And, and right. But if I think God sees through our actions into our heart and our main objective. And when we strive, I think he sees that. If that makes any sense. Because whenever I was going through divorce, I was a pastor and then people were like, oh, yeah, you just, oh, you've learned now. You're, you're, you, yeah, That's you're hard. doomed. You're doomed. And God revealed to me, he said, it's not what I desire. He said, but sacrifice in your faith and your belief is the sin I don't want you to do. And he don't right. want any sin. But when we sacrifice our faith and our belief, that's when we start giving up. And we start surrendering to the devil. And and that's that's where we're in a real dark spot. Right. Right. So as long um, as we keep trying, you have to get up every day. And even if yeah. you fall, you just have to get up. Paul said, I crucify myself daily. You just have to get up every yeah. day and try again. Get up every yeah. day and try again. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the only hope you have is to show the love of God. And, you know, and, and according to how deep people are, some people are so deep in uh, dealing with the spirit of, of the devil that they can't see out. And your job is just to love them and pray for them and ask God to, to rip them apart from the, you know, pull them from the, the jaws of hell but and jaws yeah. of Satan. But um, our best effort is to show the love. That's, yeah. that's our best effort. I, I agree 100%. I agree 100%. Okay, well, I thank you so much. This has been that book is amazing, and uh, I I can I know God gave you. You keep saying God gave me this book, and I believe that that's yeah. there's some phenomenal truth in there. And I've learned stuff just by listening to. I haven't even read it. I've just learned stuff by listening to you today that I had never thought about and thinking about things in a new way. And so 
that's really given me a lot to think about. I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, you thank you for having me. And, uh, and like I say, uh, it's uh, I'm just an old country boy and I, I love the Lord and uh, and he's been good to me too, and to, you know, give me understanding in a way that uh, is uh, very, um, it's breathtaking to my own self because uh, I'm very grateful to him. And on the, in the description, uh, on the podcast in the description, we will put where you can buy this book and, okay. uh, and, and you, we will, you send me your social media links and all that okay. stuff. And, and it's we on, will, uh, we'll it's put on all Amazon. of that. Okay. It's on yeah. Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes and Nobles. It's on all of them. And the reason I include the Books A Million, Barnes and Nobles is if somebody is a member, they can actually get it cheaper than what it sells for on Amazon. But it's only seventeen ninety nine because God told okay. me it had to be less than $20. Okay. Perfect. Well, that way everybody yeah. can, money's tight and I mean, people yeah. need to afford yeah. it. So, uh, and how about those, uh, nifty little bookmarks? Do we have to come see now what you are say for somebody that's local there in, in Alabama, they might be able to come see you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they Uh, can just look on, you post that on your social media or something where you're going to be. Okay. Yeah, I do. I do. And, um, I've got a, a book signing, uh, actually in September at my, my sister's church in Greenwood, South Carolina. Okay. Um, and um, and we're gonna we're gonna make it like a little short family trip to come see me and my wife. We're gonna go see her, but she's gonna open her church and you know to do a book signing there. And um, okay. and uh, but um, but yeah, I um, I'm open to you know wherever God opens the door just to share the book. You know, if somebody a church or something bought several and wanted me to come teach on it, I would do that too. I mean, okay. within reason, of course. I I still work every right. day, so I couldn't go too far you know but i mean right uh, Right. but 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 um but yeah it's uh it's been a blessing to me and i thank the lord and i I just want to share it to help people it's almost um when you read it it's so down to earth at several parts of it you're gonna be like well yeah i knew that but i i didn't see it that way or i didn't understand it that way you know it's just because it's just very down to earth it's real elementary and a work and being able to do it well, I think that's good that it is elementary. I think too many people flaunt their education and try to use big words and yeah. and to make themselves appear uh, some type of way, you know, smart yeah. and bigger. And then yeah. it's really hard for the rest of us to understand what's going on. And you get discouraged when you're trying to read, especially a self-help book. And yeah. you can't even understand what they're talking about. And they're using yeah. all the psychological lingo and you're thinking i don't even know what you're talking about right now that's very discouraging and then you don't want to continue reading that but you know there's another christian author who is very successful and he just writes in very plain english himself and so that's fantastic you know that uh right and and i've read a lot of his books and you kind of remind me the way you write kind of reminds me of him and so i think that's needed it's needed. Yeah. That's what's needed uh, because people just need to hear and just plain old English. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, when the Lord, when, when the Lord gave it to me and I started moving toward publishing, he told me, I don't want it to be too long because their attention span when they're going through a battle is not very long. I don't want it to be all liturgical. I want it to be in common language so they can understand it. And I want it to be affordable so they can buy it. And that's yeah. what he told me. Just very basic stuff. I had an old man say, I heard him say one time about 
yep. we had been in a church service that went really long. The preacher was long winded. And afterwards, this old man said to me, you know, the mind can only comprehend what the tail end can endure. <laughs> I never heard that. that right. That and I thought, that's yeah. true. Cause yeah. once you know, once your little tail end gets sore and you start squiggling around and you're ready to get up, you really have <laughs> yeah. turned that preacher off. You're done. Yeah. Right. You're right. You're right. So, you're totally correct. Yeah. I never forgot that old man saying that. That was in it. So it, the service had went long and I thought, yeah. So, okay. Well, Troy, it was, it has really been uh, amazing and I'll reach out to you. Um, okay. All right. And, thank and you. So we can get all your information and thank you so much for taking time out of your afternoon and oh, coming yes, on ma'am. here. Yes, it's ma'am. been wonderful. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. And, and I, I and wish you all the day. best. Yeah, you too. Okay. Thank you. All Bye. right. Bye-bye.